0: All in, it's a couple million dollars for a full car, but to run a full season is probably closer to nine plus million dollars for for the team.
1: Welcome to the Sports Business Radio podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban. David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. My guest this week, C.J. O'Donnell. He is the chief marketing officer for IndyCar. They've got a lot of interesting things going on. They're going to be looking for a new title sponsor because they're losing Verizon as their title sponsor. They've got a new deal with NBC Sports after having a deal with ABC for a number of years. We'll get into IndyCar racing with C.J. O'Donnell coming up on our show today. I'm joined in our studio By our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how's it going? It's going good, and you are an IndyCar expert now,
2: being in the in the seat.
1: Yeah, that was quite (laughs) an experience, and and we'll definitely discuss that. I know we talked about that uh, a few podcasts ago, but yeah, 140 miles an hour in a two-seater with Ari Leindyke Jr. It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had, so there's really nothing like the thrill of IndyCar racing and going at those speeds, but I mean, let's face it. IndyCar doesn't have the same dominance and pertinence with a lot of sports fans that it had back in the 70s and 80s. So what are they doing now to try and be top of mind with sports fans and with their corporate sponsors that are aligning their brand with IndyCar? We'll talk to C.J. O'Donnell about that. Griggs, big announcement to make. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that we take our show on the road every once in a while, a few times a year. Uh, excited to announce the next Sports Business Radio Roadshow presented by Boingo October 22 in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium with Miami Dolphins president Tom Garfinkel. Very excited about that. Look, you've never been to Miami, so let's just start there. Like exactly. That's going
2: to be fun for can't, you. I can't wait. Yeah, I've never been down in the uh, Florida re- uh, region, so I'm excited to come see Miami. And uh, I think Pitbull and J-Lo will be with us, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I doubt that's going to be the case. But you know what? I- I'm really
1: excited to see Hard Rock Stadium. I haven't seen it. They're going to host the 2020 Super Bowl. Uh, I believe they've got a Final Four coming up in... 2021 So they've got some mega events That yeah. that stadium's going to be hosting And look, as of this recording The Dolphins are 3-0 and And they're one of the surprises of the NFL Uh Tom Garfinkel, a very seasoned Sports business executive He's worked for the Arizona Diamondbacks He's worked in IndyCar racing So it'll be good to sit down with him We do our show uh before A, a live studio audience We record it, we'll air it On Sports Business Radio that week it is an invite only event, but if you're in the Miami area and you want to attend the show and sit in our audience at Hard Rock Stadium, uh, send me an email, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at sportsbusinessradio.com. We might be able to find a seat for you. It's a great opportunity for college students. To ask questions of our guests In this case, Tom Garfinkel So uh, thanks to Boingo for powering Our Sports Business Radio Roadshow Excited for October 22nd Griggs, I'm just back from Chicago uh, Can't really talk about What I was doing there But I love the Windy City And my favorite venue in all of sports If I could sit in one venue And watch a game It's Wrigley Field And I went and saw a night game uh, This week And God it's just it's a historic venue, but from the the bratwurst to the beer <laughs> to the environment, yep to what you know, they've developed around Wrigley Field. I hadn't been there in a few years, and gosh, lots of development around Wrigley Field to bring it kind of into modern day standards, but just a gorgeous venue and Seeing a night game there, I had been there for day games, seeing a night game there was a real treat.
2: The cool thing, I haven't been there either, but the cool thing they do is they keep the nostalgia of that ballpark. They do. But they develop around it. Right. Which is cool. So you've got the old, you know, the brick wall and all the stuff that makes Wrigley Wrigley, but you've got some new stuff like venues, restaurants, and things like that. So it's really, they've done a good job there just from what I've seen on pictures and on TV and stuff. So I'm glad you got to go cool pictures with you and Bucher. So, uh, it looked like a fun night.
1: Yeah, I went with, uh, Rick Bucher, formerly of ESPN, uh, he, does Bleacher report stuff and some great things now has his own podcast. Um and he had never been to Wrigley Field, so it's always fun to go with someone who had never been. And especially, you know, someone like Bucher who's seen so many sports venues but right. he hadn't been to this one. It was uh it was neat. But you know, Cubs look like they're on their way to the playoffs, hopefully, and uh great organization and I just love Chicago, so that was fantastic. Last uh thing we'll talk about before we get into the interview with CJ O'Donnell, Griggs, Tiger Woods. No one moves the needle in all of sports like Tiger Woods. When he is winning or in the mix, the ratings go through the roof in golf. When he's not, it's really much harder for golf to be relevant. Tiger attracts the casual fan. We've talked about this on the show many, many times. Let me give you some numbers. So he wins his first tournament in 1,876 days this past Sunday when he wins the FedEx Cup. Playoff. Justin Rose won the $10 million for the overall points series with FedEx Cup. So that's a nice paycheck to walk away with. But check these numbers out. NBC Sports final round coverage on Sunday. Up 206%. 206% from the previous year when Tiger didn't play in 2017. Highest rated telecast in the history of the FedEx Cup playoffs, which started in 2007. Also, the highest rated PGA Tour telecast in 2018. On streaming, 18.4 million minutes streamed across NBC Sports digital platforms. That's up 561% from last year. (laughs) It became the most streamed Sunday golf telecast in NBC Sports history. So you're looking at just monstrous numbers, which we knew they would be, and to me... There were a few takeaways. One, you know, America loves to come back, and Tiger has battled divorce. He has battled health issues. He has battled drug addiction. And to come back from all of those things, you know, people love to build you up, then tear you down, then build you back up again. And Tiger is back on the upswing it was great to see. But the moment for me, Griggs, was when he was walking down the 18th fairway. And there is a sea of people following behind him. It remind me, I'm dating myself, but when I used to watch the British Open when I was a kid, and you would see Tom Watson or Jack Nicklaus or Ar- Arnold Palmer walking down the fairway, there was a sea of people. I mean, I remember seeing those shots in Sports Illustrated. Now the thing that's cool is you've got drones and all these other camera angles that you can provide that you couldn't provide back in the 70s and 80s. So to see all the sea of people following behind Tiger Woods at a golf tournament, for golf, this is just magical and golden. And now you've got Ryder Cup coming up this weekend. Tiger's in it. And the day after Thanksgiving, you've got the big Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson pay-per-view showdown. (laughs) That's going to get a boost based on the fact that Tiger's back Phil's on social media promoting this too, saying, Tiger looks the best he's ever looked and he better give me a stroke of hole or a stroke <laughs> of side. It's just great because. Again, the casual fan that doesn't really
2: watch golf, when Tiger's in the mix, they're going to tune in. Yeah, and you mentioned that, walking off the 18. That was my favorite moment, too. I mean, that was just, that's where you kind of get the, wow, this guy, he's massive. And the fan following, they're just ecstatic and trying to get the closest position. Everybody's got their phones up trying to get that one shot of him turning around and waving or whatever. That was incredible. And also seeing him before and during the tournament signing balls, talking to kids. Yeah. He's, that's the part I love the most because he's, he's personable. He's back where he should be with the fan. Yeah. And he wasn't that way. No. First generation
1: Tiger. Tiger 2.0 has been humbled. He appreciates the fans. He interacts with them in a genuine manner. Um, before he was arrogant. It was, I didn't have my A game. It was very condescending with fans and reporters. Now he genuinely seems to be, it, it's almost like, this is a corny analogy, but remember the movie It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah. And, you know, he, uh, they show him what his life would look like right. if he had never been born or what life had looked like. It, it's almost like Tiger is having his It's a Wonderful Life <laughs> moment where he had this first generation life with all this success and then he was humbled. He wondered if he'd ever play again, he wondered if he'd ever win again. And now the appreciation he's showing for being back in this position is really neat to see because, you know, not that you want to see someone brought down a few notches, but I think this Tiger just is it's he's so much more appreciative of where he is right now. It feels like it's easier to play, too. It seems like it's easier for him to play because he's just he's relaxed. He's more relaxed. Well, the biggest difference that I see and I play a little bit of golf is his putting. Yeah. You know, he, he's got the putter working. He's in the fairway, which also helps. But, you know, before, and golf is such a mental game. Yeah. And when you, you have a, you know, oh, I'm getting divorced and I've got this going on and that going on in your head. When you're sitting over a putt, whether you try and block it out or not, it's going through your mind. Yep. He couldn't make putts for several years there. His putter in this tournament and in the last few months is money. And when he has that thing going, that's really what separates him from anyone else. You see Jordan Spieth as a great putter, too, when yep. he has that part of his game going. You know, really, inside of 20 feet, they're they're automatic. Yep. And Tiger, you know, on Saturday, he starts off the first seven holes with six birdies. <laughs> That's really what propelled him, helped him open that sh- that lead. And then, what was the stat I saw? He was like 25-0 and when he entered uh, the final round of a golf tournament with a three-shot or more lead. Yeah. He held on to it, because you're kind of going, okay, that was Tiger 1.0. He (laughs) could hold on to leads. Can this Tiger hold on to a lead? And he did. So all the way around, huge for golf, huge for NBC Sports, as we just said, and and really big for Tiger. I would expect that Tiger is now going to have some sponsors that step forward and approach he and his agent, Mark Steinberg, and say, you know what? We wanted to see if you could come back from everything, and you did. Let's sign up again. I mean, Nike stuck with him. There were other sponsors that dropped. I think Mark Steinberg's phone is going to start to ring again, and Tiger's going to have some really interesting opportunities because, again, America loves a comeback story. All right, coming up next, CJ O'Donnell, the chief marketing officer for IndyCar, is going to join me. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., Today's sports fans expect strong, fast, mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is C.J. O'Donnell. He is the chief marketing officer for IndyCar. You can follow him on Twitter at C.J.A. O'Donnell. C.J., thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Very good. Good to be on the show. It was great to meet you uh, a few weeks back when IndyCar Series was in Portland, Uh Gosh, I didn't talk to you. I talked to you before, but not after. What an incredible experience riding in a two-seater with Ari Leyendijk Jr. So thank you for that. That was, uh, you just can't simulate that experience unless you're in it. And uh, I had never had anything like that. It was just fantastic going 140 miles an hour.
0: Yeah, I I told you it was the thrill of your life and the ride of your life. And I think it's certainly played out that way. And on top of that, you got to meet the bachelor. So I guess a little celebrity <laughs> fun in there as well.
1: That was funny because uh, I didn't know. Am I going to be riding with Mario? Am I going to be riding with Ari? And and it was Ari, and uh he's a nice guy. So how does oh, yeah. that work? Where you have so a lot of people are like, "Wow, Ari the Bachelor is driving these two seaters." Mario Andretti, who by the way, seventy eight years old, looks like he's sixty, is in amazing condition. How does that work with them? where they're driving people like me and, and sponsors and, and people like that in these two-seaters. They just do that for fun? Well,
0: we're in every way possible trying to reach out to fans and, and win them over the way we did uh, with you that day. Uh, being able to provide the experience of going uh, 180 miles to 200-plus miles an hour in a an uh, in car is, is rare, and few people get a chance to do it, but it's all part of the strategy to to grow the sport. And, and having two personalities like Mario Andretti uh, – a legend in our sport, and then a a celebrity like The Bachelor and Ari Leibniz Jr. to come forward and help us rep the program is uh, is absolutely perfect because we get the balance of our history and and the heritage of IndyCar as well as contemporary pop culture kind of mixed in with with, with Ari. Of course, his father's got quite the history with with, uh, our sport as well, being an IndyCar champion and probably the fastest man to ever lap the Indianapolis Motor Speedway.
1: Yeah, no, it was fantastic. So thank you again. Let's talk about the business of uh, IndyCar for a little bit. Exciting news. You guys have signed a, a new TV deal with NBC and NBCSN. They're going to be the exclusive home of IndyCar going forward. But the deal ends a tradition of Indy 500 on ABC. So what went into the decision to go exclusively with NBC?
0: Well, we worked um, with what I call the burden of, of two broadcast partners for the last you know, 10 years or more, um, but both very good, very capable um, organizations doing good work to promote our sport and help us grow in, in, in recent years. But the, the idea of having uh, a fan move from channel to channel uh, from ABC, ESPN to NBC, NBCSN uh, across the, the, the season was, it was too complicated and it was hard for either party to fully embrace the sport and give it the attention that I think it deserves. So we now have a, a single broadcast partner who owns our season from St. Petersburg through Laguna Seca next year and the Indy 500 in the middle. And we're expecting um, a great deal of added exposure and promotion. Uh, we'll certainly get the full weight of added broadcast televisions and more programming on NBC Sports. And then uh, they do a wonderful job in their championship season promotions, which will now include the Indy 500 alongside the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup, NBA playoffs, the Kentucky Derby, and everything else they do all year. So we're really pleased with the agreement. We think they're going to throw their full weight into it, and it almost guarantees continued momentum in our TV viewership as we go into 2019.
1: Well, and with them, it's not just about TV. It's about cable, so NBCSN, and then streaming. They have some great streaming platforms as well. I know, what was I looking at, 638,000 streaming on your Uh, finale of the season. So those are really good numbers, not just TV, but they're helping you capture on a number of different platforms.
0: Well, yeah, like most media outlets now, they're they're diversifying. TV is not um, the only place you can consume IndyCar racing. And they're bringing um, now a direct consumer offer next year with NBC Sports Gold and the IndyCar Pass that will be available there. So we can, you know, live stream to your phone or to your apple tv um in one way and of course then there's the traditional viewing uh, that we'll expect to get from them and and both are very helpful in growing audiences
1: both young and old you guys have been pretty fortunate the last five years or so the championship has been decided in the final race you've had a number of contenders uh this final race was down to four drivers how does that help you when you've got that kind of competition going into that final race of the season
0: well, the competition in Indian cars is the finest in motorsport in the world. and I'll, I'll validate that by what you just said. Every year it comes down to the last laps of the last race to determine who our champion is going to be. And, and certainly that that carries the excitement from the very first moment, the very first lap of the year to the very last lap of the year and keeps our story and, and the story arc of the season kind of moving forward in, in those latter races. You know, too many sports now, um, you know, the playoffs or the uh, the champion is determined well in advance of the final final game. And uh, we don't have that. And, and the fact that any team can win on any day, we had nine different winners last year across you know, an 18-race season, it, it does really show that uh, it's the most competitive form of motorsport in the world right now.
1: You have talked several times about a five-year plan for IndyCar Uh, How has that plan helped renew interest in the series? Because a lot of people are like, hey, I have a one-year plan. This is what we're going to do this year. But you have a five-year plan. How has that helped?
0: Well, the five-year plan has really been a lot of good fundamental steps in in recent years to do the right thing to get the sport on track, and we've accomplished that. We've seen significant growth in a number of metrics, and I'll name a few to validate the comments I've been making. We've seen... Over 20% growth in in television over five years, which is unheard of in the world of sport right now. We've added a million social followers to our platforms in in that same five-year period, and we're continuing to grow because this year's not done. Um, You know, Nielsen will tell you just between the years of um, 2015 and 2017, our fan base grew 20% to 69 million people across the United States. So every time we look at a data point, whether it be our own or someone outside the sport like Nielsen, um, we we find measures of growth and success and momentum and you know while this project is nowhere near being complete um, we're, we're really pleased with the progress we made and what you know the years ahead will bring.
1: I always ask this question of people like you. We live in this world now where everyone has ADD as I call it and instant gratification and they're moving from one social post to the next. How do you capture people's attention when there's so much competition for the leisure hour?
0: Well, it's funny. It's the competition for their time. It's also competition by demographic. I mean, you know, we still find a very loyal and and avid um, fan on television, especially in the older demos. Guys more my age are likely to sit there for a couple hours on a Sunday afternoon and and watch the whole race start to finish, flag to flag. Um, for a lot of younger demos it's not the case so we've learned to create content that's cut down on races sometimes maybe 30 minutes or five minutes in length so they can consume it in 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 different sort of time bites Um, and then social media has been a great way of not only drawing people to that content but then putting out additional results on the sport or news on the sport And, and i'm convinced that in many cases for for young adults the first time they'll be exposed to indycar is through social media so we've We've used that as a platform to reach a broader audience, and it's been successful because the growth we've seen, I mentioned 20% in just the two years between 15 and 17, was across all demos. It wasn't just older folks. It wasn't just younger folks. It was equal, nearly to the you know, percentage point um, for millennials, for baby boomers, and older.
1: When I was in the two-seater, uh, you guys put a GoPro Two GoPros, actually, in the car. And it was really cool because I was able to post my experience on social. People could see what it looked like from you know my vantage point and then also looking back at me. I look at those opportunities for both bringing social media followers or TV viewers inside the car. How do you plan on capitalizing on that? Because it's such a rare vantage point, and it really does give you a sense of how fast these cars are going and the skill and everything else that goes into being an IndyCar driver. Yeah.
0: We've we managed to do something really creative with our um, cameras in race, uh, and, and something I think that's unique to motorsport and particularly helpful in conveying the speed, the excitement, the thrill of IndyCar racing. We now have a camera on uh the driver's helmet. We have a camera on the roll hoop above their helmet. We have a camera on their mirror behind the car in the rear wing and then on the nose. And and some of the views and angles you get from those different perspectives, especially from the nose cam and helmet cam,
1: no kidding,
0: do a remarkable job of capturing what's actually happening on the track. the 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 violence in a sense of the car being tossed about on the racetrack, and just you know the buffeting of the wind and other things that are happening. This actual sheer speed. I mean, you, you, if you want a sense of speed, put a put a camera about two inches off the ground and drive it at two hundred thirty miles an hour, and you get a real you know, burst of adrenaline watching that video. And that's what we're trying to capture in our content. And, and we're pushing that through social media to make sure that people really understand just how fast the sport is.
1: Well, and, and kind of expanding on that. One of the biggest takeaways I had from riding in the two seater with Ari was the conditioning of the drivers has to be off the charts for anyone who says that the IndyCar drivers are not in peak condition you're crazy because your core has to be so strong and the turns that you're making and doing that for sometimes 500 laps, I walked away with a totally different vantage point than I had before.
0: Yeah. And and I think your experience always has a tendency to validate just the athleticism because you actually feel those G forces in the car and, and the, the, your neck muscles are strained by the time you get out, just trying to hold your head up. Right. Um, these guys are holding the breath through corners. So, you know, they can manage the G-forces. There, there's a lot going on out there in, in the physicality of driving these cars that, that folks don't understand. I mean, there's no power steering power bricks on, on an Indy car.
2: Yeah. This isn't
0: uh, <laughs> this isn't fluff stuff. And, and, and you know, in, in some of the street circuits that we run, some of the road courses we run, the workout they get, um, the elevation in, in, in their heart rate and their respiratory rate is, is just incredible. And they, these guys have to be fit endurance athletes to go the distance and manage those g-forces over time
1: what can you guys do i mean this is following up on that what can you do what can indycar do to really promote the fact that these drivers are elite athletes
0: we've done some video content and i we probably need to do more to do that um and that that's helped to watch these guys train and see what they go through as part of their you know regiment is uh is pretty telling um Oftentimes, and I think this is very fascinating, because it's both a mental and a physical sport, we'll watch them work out to a certain stress level, and then they'll do mental exercises or, or physical exercises, literally trying to tap out a series of lights that flash in front of them in sequence as fast as they can, uh, all to try to work their hand, eye-hand coordination in, in different parts of the brain so that they, their reflexes are also strong under stress. So there's uh, a lot of things that we've published. I, I'd like to do more to get the point across. And I think we're going to have to, it's it's, it's still a story that you've to be fully told.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's a underlying story that, that could be told uh, a little bit better because these are just amazing athletes. Let's talk, w- when I saw you, we talked about Verizon and Verizon, you're losing them as the series sponsor, the title sponsor at the end of this year. Where do you find or stand in finding a replacement? And when someone is the title sponsor of IndyCar, pretend you're pitching me. I'm with a, a big corporation, and you're telling me all the benefits of being the title sponsor of IndyCar. Pitch me.
0: Uh, quick, yeah. The first thing I'd say is it's, it's a sport on the rise. It's an ascending sport, which is rare to find. Uh, second, I'd say we get a very broad uh, audience, both demographically and uh, uh, in interest, because the interest across sports is, is very... Um, very unique to, to us. The, the, the demographic that we reach most frequently is affluent, well-educated. Um, for those reasons, um, you, know, you, you find professionals that can't commonly reach in, in most sports, so it's really good for targeting the more affluent. Uh, it gives us a certain level of prestige, like, say, golf or tennis in some ways. But we we also manage to have a higher percentage of millennials in our mix than some traditional sports, including things like NFL and Major League Baseball. So we got young and old. We've got affluent. Um, We've got educated. We've got tech opportunities, awesome B2B opportunities in the paddock. There's just a number of advantages that we work with.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me it is a unique opportunity because it's very experiential. Um, bringing someone into the pits or letting them ride in a car like you did with me Having them be able to entertain their clients or, you know, have a, a suite at a race is a really kind of one of a kind experience. And then I would imagine the fact that you have this new deal with NBC and NBC Sports Network, you've got great social media following. It's a good opportunity for someone.
0: Well, B2B engagement at the track is probably one of the most unique things that motorsports brings and particularly IndyCar because of the technology involved. So we've got companies like NTT Data or Arrow. Uh, you know, Verizon, technical firms, engineering firms that are bringing clients to the race to really experience what they offer in the way of their technology enhancing our sport, as well as what the sport has to bring them in the form of entertainment. And there's there's no sport that I can see that's more approachable, more open to that than IndyCar has proven to be, which includes you know putting people on the grid at the start of the race, which is about the equivalent of standing next to Brady in the 50 yard line during the coin toss. And, and putting people in the car, like the two-seater that you just experienced as part of their, their weekend. Um, there's a lot of things out there that we can leverage that really um, enhance um, a guest's experience, particularly a sponsor's ex- guest experience, and, and, and help us grow uh, those relationships for the betterment of their, their sales and their market share.
1: So where do you guys stand today in, in finding a replacement?
0: Well, we still have a road ahead of us. And to be frank, we're not quite there yet. Um one or two early fish got off the line, so we're back at it again. But we're uh, we're optimistic. There's two or three deals that I think uh, could play out, and we have a few more months yet to make that happen. So, not uh, not worried, uh, but still working to make sure that we get ready and have a a new title on the on the sport by the time we hit St. Petersburg next year.
1: All right. I know we have a lot of senior executives that listen to this podcast. So, uh, if anyone's interested. CJ is your guy. Reach out and, uh, CJ, I'll take, uh, pit passes for life if you, uh, close a deal. How's that? That,
0: that would be a sales commission. I'd gladly
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> um, some other things that I want to get to before I, I let you go. So 2018 saw the introduction of a new aero kit and car design that's been really well received. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Well, yeah, we started the year with an all new design on the car, which was both. Uh, A cosmetic improvement, I'd add, as well as a a technical improvement. The cars of the past had a heavy amount of what we call downforce, which is the air pressure um, that comes from the aerodynamics of the car pushing the car to the ground, giving it more grip. Uh, We took a lot of that away from the drivers this year, which really put uh, the burden of controlling the car back in their hands. Uh, And it made the car a handful on some weekends, which really allows the better drivers to, to rise to the top and uh, it made the car more fun to, to watch because there was more passing, more straight line speed, and more fun to drive. The guys actually love this new car. So it's been a win-win across the board. Everyone's uh, very happy, uh, even the team owners, because we reduced some of the, the cost of maintaining the car in the, same, in the same process. So it's been a financial gain. It's been a gain for the fan, uh, for our on-track product, and for the drivers who are now uh, whipping those things around and getting even more tired and working out a little harder on, on each weekend.
1: I get this question all the time, so I'll ask you because I don't know the answer. But people want to know, on average, how much do these cars cost? Because they see them crash and they're like, oh, is that a million dollars? Is it two million dollars? Is it half a million dollars? What's an average car cost?
0: All in, it's a couple million dollars for a full car. Um, but to run a full season is probably closer to nine plus million dollars for for the team. So, uh, you know, the cost of the car is just a fraction of the total uh, operating cost of the team in in to put uh, uh, a car and driver on the grid to be competitive. And uh, you know, it's relatively affordable, believe it or not, in the world of motorsports. But it's uh, um, still quite a pretty you know, high price tag, and it's one of the things that we're currently working on and continue to work on it to. Uh, Make it more accessible for more teams to come in, and and maybe to add this, that's exactly what's happening. It's, you know, another example of the success of the sport by reducing cost and managing the sport, leveling the playoff, playing field for all teams. We're seeing an increase in car count, and you experienced that at, at Portland. We were at I believe twenty five cars that weekend, and expect to have uh, that number or more as we start the uh, next season.
1: You've decided to end next season at Laguna Seca instead of Sonoma Raceway. Why the decision to change venues?
0: Well, we needed a venue, much like Sonoma, that was going to be uh, popular with our fan base, uh, that had a history uh, with IndyCar, and that would, again, be a great spot for our sponsors to entertain. And uh, Laguna Seca certainly fit that bill, so that was one of the reasons why it it came in on our radar. Uh, We made a few other choices then, looking at uh, the financials. I, I wouldn't call it an all out bidding war, but it did come down at one point to uh uh who was gonna pay us a uh, higher sanction fee and because of the success of the sport we're seeing higher sanction fees uh, uh, across most of the races this coming year. So it's uh it was financial, it was having the right place to race, it was having a place to fit the schedule, um and, and fit the right TV window as well, so we could get on, on broadcast television for next year. Or so, uh, multiple factors led to the move from Sonoma to Laguna, and um, you know we ended up at a new new location because of that. Uh, I think our friends at Sonoma deserve a, a thanks for many years of supporting us, and the care that they've done a wonderful job. But we're now looking forward to what can happen in the in the coming season.
1: How is IndyCar taking advantage of Scott Dixon's recent? Championship and the launch of his new movie, Born Racer. I would imagine that movie is a great way for you guys to reach new fans and, and keep the loyal fans that you have as well. Kind of insightful uh, movie, from what I understand.
0: This has been a spectacular year for Scott Dixon and for IndyCar, and he's his personality and his success on track, his legendary performance on track, has really helped us all season long. I know if you really rewind the clock a little bit, he managed to sneak in enough wins this year to uh, become the third all-time winner in IndyCar history, so he trails only um, Mario Andretti and A.J. Foyt now in all-time wins in his career, and he's still got many years to go yet, so I think he, those guys are still looking over the shoulder. Uh, he's also managed to, to uh, clip off his fifth championship, which is another you know, huge step um, in his career, and it puts him only behind A.J. now for, for the most championships in IndyCar. Uh, you tie that together with The debut of a a documentary film on his career and his life, um, his family and his team. And this is is magic for for marketing guys like myself. So we're really having a a good time both uh, last week and this week pushing his uh, championship success, promoting the film. We had a premiere here in Indianapolis, a global premiere of the film uh, Monday night. Last night we managed to hand him the Astor Cup, our, our championship trophy, and celebrate his season and he did week, a week of media last week, and he's doing a week of media now on behalf of the movie. So we pumped him hard on social media and the press and a number of other ways. We continue to build that legend in his name. Um, it's going to carry us well into next year and, and hopefully beyond as he continues to chalk up more wins and more success.
1: Where can people find the Born Racer documentary?
0: Uh, it's released on October 2nd. It'll be available on DVD and through direct download, Um More information will follow, but the press releases are going out today.
1: That's great. All right, last question for you. Five years from now, 10 years from now, where do you see IndyCar Series going?
0: I see the momentum continuing, um, primarily because we've got the the pillars in place to to continue the success and momentum we've seen in the last uh, couple of years. Um, I I also see a lot of stiff headwinds, uh, sports and particular broadcast television is a challenge for everybody so we're going to have to look to uh, diversify the platforms by which we we share our content share our sport and uh, do expect to see growth there as well i say you know with a with the right title sponsor which we should see shortly the financial health of the sport will continue to grow uh, the fan base will continue to grow and uh you know our, our goal is to be what i refer to as the premier form of motorsport in the United States which may not necessarily mean it's the largest, but it would be the one that people look to as the most competitive and more purest form of racing in, in this country. And uh, I think we're well on our way to reaching that vision.
1: C.J. O'Donnell, the Chief Marketing Officer for IndyCar. Again, follow him on Twitter at C.J. O'Donnell. C.J., it was great meeting you in person in Portland. Thanks again for the incredible two-seater experience with Ari and uh, good things ahead for you guys. So uh, keep up the good work and uh, best wishes ahead.
0: Really appreciate the time uh, meeting you both in Portland and, and today on the radio.
1: And uh, hope to cross paths again. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
2: Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger.
1: Bringing you the
2: biggest names in sports business.
1: Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Bird. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark,
2: thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. Well, that's it
1: for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to Hadley Heck. She's a student athlete at Portland State University, and she's our new sports business radio intern. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our sports business radio roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in sports business radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps and, of course, at SportsBusinessRadio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at SportsBusinessRadio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio.